Today, we are one week away from our 175th celebration. We look to the legacy of faithfulness in our church. We rejoice not because of ourselves, but because God has always been on mission for his people. And we rejoice in gratitude that the Lord has used our church, is using our church, and we pray that we would remain faithful to continue to be with the mission of God. Today we recall sermons from the late Lewis Abendon called Living in the Spirit. Our text this morning comes from Romans chapter 8, verses 12 through 17. Hear now the word of God. So then, brothers, we are debtors, not to the flesh, to live according to the flesh. For if you live according to the flesh, you will die. But if by the Spirit you put to death the deeds of the body, you will live. For all who have led by the Spirit of God, or are led by the Spirit of God, are children of God. For you did not receive the spirit of slavery to fall back into fear, but you have received the spirit of adoptions as sons, by whom we cry, Abba, Father. The Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God, and if children, then heirs, heirs of God and fellow heirs with Christ, provided we suffer with him in order that we may also be glorified with him. Those who have ears to hear, let them hear. Now please join me in the response. All flesh is grass and all its beauty is like the flower of the field. The grass withers, the flowers fades, but the word of our God endures forever. Thank you, Jane. Thank you, thank you. Good morning, church. Good morning, good morning. It is an honor and a privilege to worship with you this morning. Uh, I extend my greetings to those that you have already heard. Uh, my name is Alex Solorio. I serve here on staff here at First Presbyterian Church, and it is a delight to worship with you this morning. Uh, a few weeks ago, Bob Fuller and I, our head pastor, had lunch, and we talked about the sermon topic that we had to preach for this week. Um, it was going to be over Louis Zabendin's greatest hits. And when, uh, I know, it's awesome. And so uh, Louis Zabendin taught and ministered and led and shepherded this church for over 35 years of faithfulness. And as you can already tell uh, throughout this uh, worship service, you can already tell there's been a, a legacy. And there's beauty in legacy knowing that the, we are still running the race and an act of faithfulness is handing the baton, trusting the next generation, handing the baton. And as you gather the baton, you are also on your race, on your journey for you to be faithful. Because God is calling you to be the sons and daughters of the living king, disciples of the Lord Jesus. Amen. And so, uh, when we were talking about this, he had shared several of the sermons that he had. Apparently, uh, there was a sermon by Lewis called, In the Meantime. It was a very big, big hit. Uh, as well as one called, Come Before Winter, one of which that Bob is doing right now in the traditional service. I would encourage you to listen to that um, throughout this week as it is recorded. Um, so after lunch, Bob and I went to the church archives, and man, let me tell you how fun it was. All the dust bunnies everywhere, there's a bunch of ancient things there, and it was so, so good. It's a great place to take the youth on a field trip. We might need to book that one here a little bit later. <laughs> but in all seriousness, it was awesome to see just how much history our church has had and how the Lord has worked through the faithfulness of those that have come, came before us. 
And when we were looking through all the tapes, now kids, tapes are these things, they're squared, they have a little thingy inside, you put them in a tape recorder, it's great. We'll talk about it later or ask your parents, it's gonna be awesome, okay? But when we were looking through all these hundreds of tapes, we were trying to figure out uh, which tape we were looking for, whether it was in the meantime, come before winter, or many of these other greatest hits. Um, and a, a sermon that Lewis had preached caught my eye, not just because of the title, which again, the title today is Living in the Spirit, and it's a sermon that he taught, but it also caught my eye because it was the very sermon he preached the week I was born. And as we take a step back and we see the seasons of our life, it is beautiful to hear and to know that again, God is moving and God desires you to live in the spirit as he has equipped you to be about the mission of God. And so I pray that this sermon blesses you the same way it has blessed me and had blessed those in this church 31 years ago. Lewis starts off the sermon, but before we start, let us pray. Father in heaven, let us open our hearts and our minds to the truth of who you are. And as we've read your word, Lord, and as we desire to have ears willing to hear you move in our lives, Lord, allow us to not walk out the same people that we first walked in, but that we would walk out of this place, changed, transformed, renewed, refined, because you are at work in our hearts. Lord, we love you and we thank you. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. And God's children said, amen. amen. Lewis says, if for some reason I was required to choose one chapter in the Bible, if for some reason I had the option of having just one chapter, the choice would be easy. It would be the eighth chapter of the book of Romans, a chapter that is filled with promises a chapter that is filled with assurances and with security. It is because of this chapter that I know that I am secure in my life with Jesus Christ and that you would know that your life is secure in Jesus Christ. It is because this chapter that you as a believer are given assurances and that you are secure in Jesus. It is this chapter that reminds us the promises and the certainties that it gives to all those that walk in discipleship. When you look to the book of Romans, Paul is sharing, uh, sharing it because of what God, sharing because of what a God has done through Jesus Christ and that we are declared in Christ Jesus not guilty and that we are now justified. Therefore, we have been given certain privileges and there are also consequences to those privileges that come as a result of what Christ has done for us. And in this chapter today, Paul is saying that one of the privileges is life in the spirit. One of the privileges is that we can live victoriously, knowing that we don't walk to victory, we are walking from victory. Amen? You are walking from victory. The battle is already won. Life not simply one filled with one failure after another failure, a life that is much more than one defeat after another defeat, but one that we can live our lives without guilt, fear, or remorse. The reason that we can do this is because God has given us his Holy Spirit. So it is this chapter that is very hard and heavy, but the heartbeat of this chapter is the gift of the Holy Spirit. 
God never asks us to do something without giving us the resources. And God is never instructing us without giving us a way with him. And Jesus, the, lo- the, the last night he lived in the upper room, said to the disciples that I'm not going to leave you as orphans. I'm not going to leave you alone. And maybe this hits hard for some of us as we are going through seasons where we might just feel alone. And I need you to hear me very clearly that God is sending, I am sending you my spirit. I have sent you my spirit to dwell with you and to walk with you. I'm going to send my spirit, the Holy Spirit, which is going to teach you all things. The spirit will remind you of all that I have said. The spirit will guide you. And what Jesus promised happened. It happened. And from the day of Pentecost on, whenever a man, woman, or child becomes a believer, at that moment, the Holy Spirit is given to them as a precious gift to encourage you, to equip you, and to remind you of all of God's faithfulness and to guide you in your next steps. And that this, prom- this promise Paul is making in this chapter Now, how does this happen? How exactly does the spirit work? Lewis uses the example that there is something that we learn in the very first science courses that we take in high school. Maybe education changed a little bit, but I think he got the spot on. That perhaps it'll probably perhaps help us understand. In our first classes in, uh, in science class in high school, we learned that water always goes down. Water always goes down and it always finds itself to the lowest level. We also learn that fire always ascends. It always ascends. It always goes to its highest level. And the two of them cannot coexist. Water will extinguish fire and fire will evaporate, evaporate water. And so in our Christian lives, if we also allow our lives to be ruled and controlled by our choices and our desires, Paul calls this the flesh, then like water, we will go down. We will die. We will be held bound by our sinful nature. But if we live our lives controlled by the Spirit, Then like fire, we will go to the highest level. We will live. Now, this is the part in the tape where as I was playing it in my room, I was like, God, yes, this is a good example. Because watch what he says here. He says, now when you take water and you place it on a kettle, right? And then like water, you go to the bottom of the kettle. Y'all are following with me, yeah? And when it falls to the bottom of the kettle, it stays there. But if you would move the kettle and set it on top of the fire, the heat from the fire would be on the kettle, which would transfer into the water. And then the water, which would normally always go down, starts to bubble up as if something inside is changing it and transforming. Are y'all following with me? That which was falling to the ground is now bubbling up and to the point where when you leave it for long enough, consistent enough, the water becomes steam. It rises and it does not drop. 
And watch this. When the steam rises and it begins to get too far away from the heat, what happens? It drops right back down. It drops right back down. And just so, the same way the Holy Spirit is within our lives. The encouragement is to stay near the heat, amen? The encouragement is to be drawn to know that God is bubbling up something inside you through the gift of the Holy Spirit. And praise the Lord, the Lord knows we like hot water because, man, we're going to make our coffee, praise God. We're going to make our tea, praise God. Some horchata, man, I'm about it. I'm about it, praise God. But it's a blessing to understand this, that at once I would be held down but because of the Holy Spirit, it begins to bubble up. The Holy Spirit in our lives is that which transforms and changes us from one reality to another. Once I thought that I was out, and because of Christ Jesus and the gift of the Holy Spirit, I know that I am brought in. Once I felt I was unloved, and now I know because of the sacrifice and the blood that was shed on the cross of Calvary, I know I am eternally loved by the Father. At one point, I thought I had no hope, and my living hope in Christ Jesus is coming again. Amen? We have changed. And the wonderful thing about the New Testament is that we see over and over again is that God is committed to enabling us to live the lives uh, that he has called us to. God is committed in having the Spirit empower us. And this is why in Philippians chapter 1, verse 6, it says, He who began a good work in you will carry it to completion until the day of Jesus Christ. Friends, if you're hearing me, God is doing something good in your life. No matter how long you've been walking with him, whether you've been taking your first steps or been walking with him with generations as a legacy, God is still doing a good work and is calling you to love others the same way he first loved you. God's will and desire is to sanctify us, completely enabling us to be holy, set apart for his work. But the question is, are there ways that we can work out the working of the Spirit in our lives? And in these verses that are before us, Paul has three ways that the Spirit is at work. Three ways that the Spirit manifests himself. Three ways the Holy Spirit does his job. What's interesting as I took a step back is I realized and understood that the Holy Spirit's role is not incredibly complicated. And though we may never come to have a full understanding of knowing God's ways, of course, because his ways are not our ways, it is simple enough for a person to hear and to understand. It is gentle enough for those that have been hurt to be drawn in. And it is solid enough for us to be secure in its truth. Now, I want to personally add this. That if you were here two weeks ago for my ordination, my mentor, Mac Gervais, spoke. And in the early years of his mentorship there at Houston Baptist University, he once taught me that sometimes we can tend to overcomplicate things. We can go overcomplicate things when it comes to reading God's word. We can tend to overthink the text so much that eventually you would find yourself far off and might have missed the point of what scripture is trying to teach you. I will never forget the example that he used was one from Isaiah 40, verse 31. It's a popular verse. You might know it. 
It says, but for those who wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength, right? They shall mount up on wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not be faint. And the people, you know, when we, we'd read Bible, Bible studies and we'd read, and sometimes people would sit there and be like, hmm, oh, gosh, this is deep. Those that wait upon the Lord, right? Those that wait upon the Lord. Is that like waiting like, like for the bus, like for Via or for Metro? Am I waiting there like this? Because if it is, I ain't got no bus ticket. Is it like that? Or maybe it means like to wait upon the Lord, right? Like, oh man, maybe, may how about I serve you, right? Maybe be a waiter at like a restaurant to serve others. And maybe those others are like unbelievers, right? And if it is, then maybe if they're sitting down at the table, then that means that I got to like know the menu. And then maybe the menu means that I need to know scripture, right? Because if I don't know scripture, if I don't know the menu, I can't offer what I don't know, right? And so now it's like, I don't know the menu and I, I don't know what to offer. Then maybe like what I, I want to know the word so I can offer something good because you know what? I need a good tip, right? And if I have a good tip, that must mean that I'm following God's blessings in our life. But the truth is this, when I take a step back, your boy's broke. So maybe I'm not waiting better enough. Maybe I'm not waiting good enough, right? Right? And if that's the case, don't even get me started on running and not growing weary because your boy can't run, right? And then I, I give you a solid trot for about like 15 minutes. But after that, man, may his mercies be new each day. Lord, help me with this text. It is so hard. I'm being honest. I can't. That, that solid trot 15 minutes, that's me, Lord. That's me. No. The passage is just simply saying, that those that trust in the Lord, that, that to trust in the Lord and to be patient because he is God and he is faithful. That's what the text is saying. Eat and chew on that rather than going for so long. No, in the same way, Paul is teaching us three ways that we can live in the spirit and it's practical. And Lewis flushes this out. Lewis says the first way the spirit does his job is right here in verse 14. And he says, if we are led by the Spirit. What we have here is a practical everyday leading by God. And it is by his Spirit in our lives that this word live is literally the words to guide you. The word is that of one of ongoing daily uh, kind of movement. The Spirit is operating in our lives on a daily basis to guide us, to lead us. And in the midst of this leading and guiding, it has to do that we understand the importance of why we need to continue to pray. How will I know where you're leading me if I'm not even talking to you? Dwell with the Spirit on a daily basis. To read scripture, to know his word. For this word is the way that God reveals himself. And it is a free gift to you. Of which, as we talk about legacy, people lost their lives to pray to have just a little bit of this word. And we're able to freely have it. And to freely give it and to encourage those that are around us. To read scripture, the words of Jesus. And these things we clearly know are the will of God for our lives. Lewis's illustration in his daily leading is the illustration of a boy that was scared to go to a barn because it was dark outside. 
And because of this, the father said, son, take the lantern and hold it beside you. Take the lantern and hold it beside you. And as you walk in this darkness, be sure to hold it close. Take it with you. And it'll, 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 even though it is dark, it'll be enough. And sure enough, the lantern did give a circle of light around this young boy. And that on a step-by-step basis, he stayed in the light and was relieved so. And I love that example because the Holy Spirit is our lantern. It doesn't shine too far to where we have to know what's next. Doesn't shine so far back that we recall the mistakes we've made. No, it's a faithful step right here, right now, one at a time. One step at a time, one day at a time of faithfulness. Because the truth is this tomorrow is not a promise. And God desires to work with you right now and walk with you. He desires to walk with you. The second example that he gives in this text is in verse 16 and 17. And it is the assurance that, that, that with God, we belong to God. We belong to him. Paul says that when we pray, Abba, Father, the Spirit of God is witnessing that we are children and that we are part of the family and we belong to him. That word Abba has been widely looked at, uh, and some think that it means dad. Some think that it means daddy, right? Others take it further and says, Father, I obey you. Others say, Father, in whom I obey. Regardless, the intimacy and the weight is still present as it regards to God. Abba, Father. Lewis shared the testimony of one of his friends, John Huffman, that he was one of the men in the group when he had gone to California. And he said he was sharing a story that they had taken a group of, of churchgoers to the Holy Land, to Israel. And while they were staying in a hotel there in Jerusalem, uh, and as there were groups of people that were there, they heard an alarm go off. And one of the elevators at the hotel had gotten stuck. And they can hear from the immobile elevator, they could hear the cries of a little Jewish boy saying, Abba, Abba. In the midst of him crying out, Abba, Abba, they were still in the elevator. And as he continued to cry, people were trying to console him and give him comfort as he was under distress. John uh, later says that after 30 or 40 minutes, when the elevator began to function again, that when he will never forget the face and the expression on the face of the little boy, that as the elevator doors opened, he ran out saying, Abba, Abba. And the father that had been there all this time, right outside the elevator, embraced him, even in the midst of the circumstance. The spirit is at work in our lives, church. And it has been given to us for the assurance to remind you that you belong. You belong. You are not alone. And the final thing is right here in verse 17. And it reminds us that we are people of children of worth and of value. For it says that we are heirs, heirs to God and joint heirs with Christ. 
There is an inheritance and there is something that has been given to us that we could have never earned. We could have never earned this inheritance. Well, we could, and we could have never worked for it either. It was a gift because we could not save ourselves. It was a gift to us given by God. The gift of us being heirs. Lewis shares a final story that he had previously shared during that time. And it's a, it's a story about how he was on a highway to tennis, from Tennessee to North Carolina. And that there's a historical marker there in the Smoky Mountain area. And it points out that there was a former existence of a small settlement that, had begun, that was begun by the very first immigrants to North Carolina, that mountain region from Scotland. And sometime after, uh, a group of Cherokee Indians attacked this settlement. And most of the people were killed. But a few women were spared and the, uh, by the Native Americans that raided. But they took some of the young boys of the settlement. Right? Years went by. And an officer of one of those towns went to one of the women that was a, survival and, a survivor and said that they had captured a group of Indians. Native Americans. He captured a couple of them. And there was one that was distinct, that was a little different from the others. Thus he wondered if perhaps one of them was her lost boy. And she looked at the line of warriors. There was not one ounce of recognition from the gentleman. And then the man said, perhaps there's a lullaby. Perhaps there's a lullaby that you used to sing to him when he was growing up. A lullaby from Scotland. And she began to sing this lullaby. And as she, she sang, as she had sang to her little boy, there was a flash of recognition. One of the boys broke in tears from the line. And locking his eyes, he knew he had found his mother. His mother had found him. And they were reunited, regardless of what had happened years prior. Life in the spirit. The spirit reminds us of a song that we may have forgotten. A song that sometimes is hard to remember. A song that says that we are the people, that we are people of worth and of value. A reminder that we belong and a reminder that he is daily leading us. I would like to add one more thing as we come to a close that left me with a heavy impression on my heart as I read and as I dwelled on this sermon. And it was because of the charge I had re received a few weeks ago. And it's honestly a charge for all of us that we are heirs with Christ and that we rejoice in this but that also scripture clearly lays out the truth that in verse 17, it says that we are heirs to God and follow heirs to Christ, provided that we share in the suffering with him in order that we may also be glorified with him. Church, those who have ears to hear, let them hear. God is not done with you yet. 
And though next week we're going to celebrate 175 years, we can tend to look back from our lantern that's on our side and say that those were the best years. And church, hear me say this right now. And though we rejoice of what has happened before, church, I'll tell you now, the best is yet to come. And that there is a true calling for every person that sits in this room to participate in what God is doing in our city. Amen? That he is growing you in maturity to live life in the spirit and call to live life as we suffer alongside him in this life. You are growing in maturity. And thus, if your mission is to live in the truth of Jesus and to strive for comfortability, there is something wrong with your view of discipleship. You are called to live uncomfortable. You are called to live radically. You are called to live faithfully. You are called to live boldly. And you are called to live with a love that Christ first loved you, that drives you out of this church to love those in the streets, love your neighbor, love those in the grocery store, love those in your school, love those in your workplace, love those that are all around you, and even when they hate you and they spit at you and they revile you and they push you away, you can still love them right where you're at because Christ first loved you the same way. He is sending you, church. He desires to use you. He absolutely loves you. And if there are people here in this room that don't have a personal relationship with Jesus, I'm telling you now, he loves you and desires to continue to pursue you, and desires a relationship with you. And for, and for those that have been walking with Jesus, I rejoice with you that you have a relationship with him and that you're reminded and that you can teach to others that his grace is sufficient. His mercies are new each day and that his love is everlasting. Therefore, grow in spiritual maturity. Live life in the spirit. Be bold to speak truth in love. Have hands ready to serve your neighbor. Feet ready to move towards the brokenness. Eyes willing to see the, the need of others. Ears ready to hear those that are crying out and those that are in need. And a heart, a heart to have compassion for those that are brokenhearted. Fearlessly committed, a heart fearlessly committed to the mission of God as we are the people of God. Church, rise up. Rise up, church, as you've been called to. Love the way Christ first loved you. And remember that you do not go alone into this world. You are with family. You are the church. You are the bride of Christ. And trust me when I tell you, the groom is coming back. The groom is coming back. And on that wedding day, I'm gonna dance my shoes off. You best believe it. You think I'm sweating now? You gonna find out. See me at a wedding. Jake knows. Jake knows. I'm gonna dance my shoes off because Jesus is coming back. Therefore, let our shoes guide us and lead us to live lives as God has called us to live. Live in the spirit. Those who have ears to hear, let him hear. And to close in prayer, the Reverend Dr. Louis Zabendon.
do in our lives through your Spirit is to enable us to grow up, to be mature, and to be holy. Continue to help us to so cooperate that your Spirit might let us become what you have intended. Through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen.